0: so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. You might be surprised for an episode on Monday, and this is because this is a bonus episode from the week that I missed from being off with Covid. I just couldn't record it, I was so ill. So you have this episode today, but you also have another one on Thursday, you lucky lot. It's another mythology we've not really covered before today, so I'm really excited to bring this one to you this week. I also did a live radio show with video and everything last week, you might actually get to see my face, with the wonderful Barnaby from Wisconsin Caps. We talked monsters, cryptids, urban legends for an hour. If you've not had a chance to look at this yet, you can find a link to this on the Twitter or on the Wisconsin Caps YouTube channel, that's C-A-P-S. So, what are we covering? You've seen the title of this episode, you know what it is. But yes, we are looking at the terrifying Dibbuk this week from Jewish folklore. I love covering religion-based monsters and I've realised that we've not really covered the Jewish faith properly yet, so here's one that will hopefully satisfy that craving. But it is more of a spooky supernatural one rather than a monster unto itself. But it's certainly one we should cover and if you've been listening for a while you will know that I love ghost stories and urban legends so I decided to cover it. The dibuk is a demonic spirit within the Jewish faith which would possess the body of someone who is usually unwell and usually very mentally unwell too. They would take control of the person's body and basically just cause a ruckus. However, these ruckuses were very much expected behaviour from someone who was mentally ill at the time. It might sound a bit like demonic possession here and in theory... It is! But the Dibbuk weren't the demons themselves, they were the spirits of evil or lost people who had not atoned for their sins before their untimely deaths, and attached themselves kind of like leeches to living beings to basically take refuge within their bodies. They would find their victims by being picked up by an actual demon, who would appear as a cat or a black dog, and then would be guided to a body of a living person by that demon. The soul would then attach to the body like a ghost, and the demon would possess the body itself, giving the soul a perfect place to stay whilst the demon removed the presence of the actual person they inhabited. The Dibbuk was very often perceived as a male spirit, and would usually inhabit female bodies. They would enter the body through their vagina on the eve of their wedding nights, and so you kind of have that image of a sexual possession as well as a physical one, very much an image of opposites with male and female, living and dead, pure and impure, all within one body. Usually the person would have committed a secret sin, which is why the Dybbuk is attracted to them, as they look for the sinful to hide away from their own sins. Okay, that's about it for the description. So how do you get them out? Well, the easy answer is always exorcism, like most demon possessions, I suppose. The exorcism of a Dibbuk took an entire village though and was actually a really difficult spirit to get rid of. It would be held in a synagogue with 10 purified men in white with their arms and heads bound in the sacred parchments of the daily prayers and they would surround the grave of the suspected Dibbuk, so not the person possessed but the Dibbuk's original body. They would then address the Dibbuk directly and list all of the sins that they committed during their human life which would both flatter and threaten the existence of the spirit, and tell them that they cannot enter any other body. It was absolutely essential that the men performing this exorcism showed no fear, or else the Dibbuk might actually transfer to their body instead, which I imagine was pretty scary. Eventually though, the Dibbuk would give in, and the men would open the ark containing the Torah, and remove seven scrolls, give seven blows on seven ram's horns, and light seven black candles. The men would then recite incantations and pronounce the seven combinations of the 42 letter name of God to remove the Dibbuk. In more recent times though, there was a myth that the Dibbuk could be captured and held within a wooden Dibbuk box, which was an old wine box or cabinet made of wood. They're quite small, they're not like giant sized cabinets that you would keep liquor in. These were sealed with wax, and if you opened these, you would cause misfortune on yourself and possibly let the Dibuk possess you. I'll go more into this later, but I do stress the word myth in there. Now, on to etymology. Dibuk is a Yiddish word, but it comes from the Hebrew word debak, which means to cling. However, it's sometimes read from the Hebrew word Dibuk, which means evil. So it is quite literal this week but sometimes you gotta hit the nail right on the head, you know? I actually love etymologies like this, it's nice and easy, and explainable to layman's, that's always a bonus. In terms of history though, this one is pretty juicy. The first reports of the Dybbuk were from the 1500s, which coincided with a focus on Jewish mysticism and the theories of reincarnation within the faith, otherwise known as Kabbalistic Judaism. Superstition, and the world of ghosts and demons were at their peak during this time throughout the world, which is known as the beginning of modernity between the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, which caused some huge events within the world, affecting the way that mentally ill patients and women were treated, and also how demonic possession was used as a scapegoat for very real health issues. During this time, women were generally treated as second-class citizens, and anyone who showed any form of social uniqueness were shunned and labelled as demons, spirits or even witches, and it was frequently considered that people who were mentally ill were possessed. Hysteria was also something that women were historically declared with during this time, and we can certainly see how the possession of a dibbok might cause this impression, although we now know that this was all pretty much rubbish. Fun fact is now in psychological literature, the Dibbuk is described as a hysterical syndrome, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And honestly, the hysteria thing winds me up to this day. Now, importantly, we don't have a set location for where this monster comes from, as it comes from a religious connotation rather than a specific place like most of our other monsters do. But what we do know is that it was most likely Eastern Europe and the Middle East, where the historic birthplace of Judaism was. This is important because in the fifteen to 1600s in Europe, what was happening? Oh yeah, the witch craze. It was taking over in the West in mainland Europe, such as the UK, Switzerland, Germany, Austria, France, even spreading as far as the US in the late 1600s in Salem, Massachusetts. We talked witches earlier But Jewish women were not outside of this, even though it was mostly spread that women in Christian beliefs were witches. Around 35 to 50,000 people were executed in Europe for being witches, and possession was certainly an excuse to be executed. If you've seen Arthur Miller's The Crucible, you will certainly know what I am talking about. So the probability of Jewish women also being possessed by the Dybbuk as well but possibly just suffering from postnatal depression, insomnia, or even effects of malnutrition or other diseases and mental conditions of the time, were quite high. It was a high probability to be classed as a witch, even though potentially you might have just been possessed by an evil spirit. Who knows the difference nowadays? But either way, it seems like some kind of religious scapegoat for the way that women and mentally ill people were treated and how people interpreted their symptoms within this time. Now, moving on from the historical connotations of this, for the monster, the Dybbuk was practically forgotten about following this, until a play was written in the 1910s by S. Anski called The Dybbuk, which was massively successful, and popularised the idea of this ancient spirit to the more modern world. This play was about how the soul of a betrayed man comes back to haunt the body of his betrothed, spooky. Speaking of modern history, the Dibbuk is now a staple in Jewish folklore monsters, popularised even more from 2003 when an online creator called Kevin Manis put a so-called Dybbuk box up for sale on eBay in Portland, USA. He wrote a compelling story about the wine cabinet he bought from a Holocaust survivor's granddaughter who fled Poland with only three items, the wine cabinet being one of them. The woman called it the dibbuk Box and told Manis that her grandmother kept it sealed shut and out of reach as inside lived a dibbuk. She told him to never open it unless he wanted to have bad things happen to him and those around him. So, of course, he opened it pretty much immediately when he got home. He found inside two US pennies dating back to 1925, two locks of hair, a dried rosebud, a candlestick, a golden wine cup, and a granite sculpture with shalom carved into it and behind all of this he found the shamer a jewish prayer carved into the back of the cabinet interestingly in orthodox judaism women are not required to recite the shema, which is a daily prayer which i find quite interesting in regards to this monster affecting mostly women so that's a fun little tidbit for you as well now manis had no apparent ill effects from opening this but he gave it to his mum on Halloween one year, and apparently she felt a cold breeze when opening it, and immediately had a stroke. She did survive, I will stress this. And following that incident, the family had immensely bad luck, and kept having strange dreams and instances happening to them. So in 2003, he wrote all of this up, and put it on sale on eBay. Eventually, Zach Baggins, who has a haunted museum in Las Vegas, and a couple of paranormal TV shows bought this, and it now sits on display in the museum, and apparently cursed the rapper Post Malone, which I think is pretty funny, and probably deserved. The rest though is history. You can google dibook Box now, and find opening videos, as well as listings on eBay and Etsy, and even a documentary about how a YouTuber opened one, which is apparently really bad, but I can't confirm with my own eyes, and is very spooky. However here's the great part of this. Do you remember earlier when I was talking about this and said it was a myth and to stress the fact that it was a myth? Well in 2014 and 2019 two supernatural experts looked at this myth and declared that this made absolutely no sense considering what Dybbuks tried to achieve and said that the whole box thing was fake. It had absolutely no grounds and didn't exist within the Jewish folklore. Then, in 2015, Manis wrote a post on Facebook saying the following, I am the original creator of the story of the Dibbit box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dibbit box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. This was backed up in 2021, When he admitted to a writer that the Dybbuk Box is a story that I created and the Dybbuk Box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago, which was to become an interactive horror story in real time. I also added new elements to the Dybbuk Box story over the years to help evolve it, keep it relevant and interesting. So that solves the mystery there and confirms that if you get a Dybbuk Box it has nothing to do with the actual myth monster. You are basically just being scammed by someone, and you are silly if you believe anything is actually in there. That leads us quite nicely onto modern media with the internet surprise there. We actually have a few specific ones this week, which honestly I was quite shocked about. I didn't think I'd find much, but I did. So, for art, we have some gorgeous paintings, including Dibbuk by Ephraim Moshi Lillian. From the late 1800s, and Dibbuk by John Fenton from 1980, but of course, as always, go check out some independent stuff too. In movies, we have Ezra, Dibbuk, The Curse is Real, The Possession, Demon, The Dibbuk, The Serious Man, Dibbuk Box, The Story of Chris Chambers, Der Dibbuk, The Unborn, The Demonologist, To Dust, Dibbuk, and Killer Sofa. For TV, we have Monsters and Mysteries in America, Dibbuk, Paranormal Witness, Ghost Adventures, Play of the Week, Deadly Possessions, Difficult People, The Real Ghostbusters, and Legends of Tomorrow. And in video games, we actually only have a few, such as Pathfinder, Guile of Dybbuk, Shin Megami Tensei 4, and Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner. And my book recommendation this week is the Encyclopedia of Jewish Myth, Magic and Mysticism by Jeffrey W. Dennis for literally everything Jewish folklore. And for more spooky stuff, go for Lilith's Cave, Jewish Tales of the Supernatural by Howard Schwartz. I would really recommend both of these. Have a little look if you're into this kind of thing. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Well, ghosts, spirits and demons are always a little bit hard to judge on this one as I just don't feel very confident in saying they fully don't exist. I'm still very sceptical about the existence of ghosts and I don't ever like to completely say not at all possible to something a little bit more supernatural. I will say that I do not believe in boxes, they sound like people trying to scam others into buying furniture. But I do know someone who sells haunted clowns on Instagram, like I actually know him, and that's a massive success so maybe I'm missing out on selling furniture that's haunted, who knows, maybe I'm being too hasty there. There is also a whole load of museums that have haunted objects in, so who am I to say that these don't have ghosties attached to them? But in terms of possession, I think this might be more of a reflection of the time again, very much like the Christian witch hunts, I think it was almost like the Jewish version of this horrible event in history, which is also covered in women's blood for just being women at the time and what a terribly sad ending for all of these people who were mentally ill or were just being women around that time to be told that you're possessed by this demon who came in through your vagina it's just not a particularly pleasant way to get a demon is it but it's just a reflection of how society treated them and i think it's very very sad but what do you think did the dibbuk roam the earth and the spirit realm let me know on twitter i would love to know what you think what an interesting monster. I really do love covering Ghosts and Spirits, they are so interesting, and I always end up learning so much about different cultures and historical events too. Definitely nice to see a monster from this mythology also, and to look at history from a different point of view, from the usual Christianised versions. Of course I am from a historically Christian country, so most of the history I learned growing up was in this perspective so it is always good to challenge that and learn other aspects of history through the eyes of different religions and different cultures. And that's what I try to do on this podcast, and I'm learning with you, so I'm all on board for this kind of mentality. Next week though, we are heading over to Eastern Europe, and we are looking at the king of the Slavic forests and a god that kind of looks like Swamp Thing, the Leshy. Make sure to listen out for his singing in the woods this Thursday because you have a double episode this week because this came out on a Monday, which has really weirded out my schedule and generally me. It's probably not going to happen again. But double episode. Look forward to it on Thursday. All of my marketing will still go out the same. So look forward to that. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on good pods, buy me a coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do, but for now, stay spooky. I do see a later, of vibes.